Good morning, church. Uh, again, <clears throat> happy 35th anniversary. Um, how did we journey uh, for the past 35 years? Uh, for some of you, it will be like 30-some years, others 20-some years, 10-some years. For me, it's like close to six years together with the church. Uh, let me refresh your memory by showing a photo montage. You might find yourself in there. Let's watch together at the key events and the key personnel. So young, huh? Okay, thank you. Did you find yourself in there? In some of the pictures, some of you? Thank God that we can journey together that far. You know, in, uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says, remember your leaders, chapter 13, verse 7. Who, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Um, it is only biblical that we honor our former leaders. And today, as we celebrate the 35th anniversary, I want to give a special recognition to Pastor Jackson and his wife, Lily Lau. They are sitting in our midst. Can I ask them to stand and be recognized? Thank you. Pastor Jackson is our founding, founding pastor also a pastor uh, emeritus. Uh, we are so grateful for his leadership, so grateful for him laying the foundation of our church for the past 30 years, faithfully uh, serving together. And today we are standing on his shoulder and the former deacons and former officers and all those who labor together with him faithfully. So we are standing on their shoulders to continue to grow the ministry and to honor the Lord uh, in this place. So thank you so much for uh, being uh, in our midst today. In your bulletin, you can find some inserts on more information about the Deacon candidates. And there's a special insert uh, for the 35th anniversary where at the back there, there was a magnet. There's a magnet. This is our church logo. Okay. You see the cross in the middle, Christ-centeredness, uh, the gospel center. Uh, and then from there, we, we go out. We go out as our vision uh, says to, to, to go courageously to do God's work. Okay. So you can take that magnet and put it in your fridge or other places as a re remember, as a remembrance of uh, God's calling uh, for our church today. And my message I want to share with you today is enduring uh, consistency. Enduring consistency. 
Because church is not built over a short period of time. Uh, church is not like a business where you can see results in three months, in six months. Church is about life transformation. Church is about following Jesus. Church is about to be like Jesus. It takes a whole life. It takes a whole life journey to do it together. So I want to encourage our congregation today and remember an enduring consistency is what built a vibrant church uh, together. And in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, I'll just preach one verse today in the context of uh, chapter 15. One verse only. Doesn't mean it's going to be short, uh, but one verse. Let's read together. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see, that verse begins with, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters. It begins with, therefore, because there's a reason that has been spelled out before that. In the whole chapter, 15 chapters of 1 Corinthians, uh, they were focusing on the teaching, on the doctrine of resurrection. That Jesus has risen, and because Jesus has risen, we will rise with Him as well. And because of that, uh, flowing from the doctrine, Paul's encouraged the church with the need of consistency. Consistency and perseverance in our daily uh, Christian lives. It begins with, therefore, my beloved brothers, that therefore is a conclusion based on the previous argument that the resurrection of Jesus is factual. It is reliable. That because Jesus' resurrection was authenticated by many eyewitnesses, and therefore, my brothers and sisters, and because Jesus has risen and we all shall rise with him, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, and because we shall be given a new glorified body, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, and because death is defeated, death is conquered by Jesus' resurrection, and therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, it's not easy to call brothers and sisters in the church of Corinth at Paul's time. To call them as beloved, to call them as beloved brothers and sisters was difficult. It was difficult. It's not easy. Because the church... If you read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, you know that they are contentious. They have issues of disunity. The church is arrogant. They despise the apostleship of Paul. The church gave in to the fleshly desires. They live a very worldly life, not very bright in terms of being light of the community, not very seasoned in terms of being salt of the community. And they were argumentative. It takes a lot, it takes a lot out of Paul to minister to them, and yet he called them beloved. How could that be, I wonder? What would allow Paul to have that confidence to call them my beloved brothers and sisters? I think, again, it comes back to the whole context of the doctrine of resurrection. Because Christ has risen, and he lives in our hearts. 
though we fall into fleshly desire sometimes and not following Jesus and walk with Him. But God is not done with us yet. Jesus is not done with us yet. He continues to work in the lives of the church. Not Paul himself, but God will work in the lives of the church, in the lives of the Christians to continue to exemplify, to manifest the light and salt that He has given to us as we live in this world and in this community. It is on the doctrine of resurrection. That's how important doctrine is. When you believe in resurrection, when you believe that Christ will come again, when you believe that Christ is risen and therefore we will rise with Him, that changes your whole perspective. That changes your whole outcomes of life and how you make decisions. It's a lot of implication from that chapter about doctrines of resurrection. And from there, he reminds the church about three things. First, because of the doctrine of the resurrection, be firm, be firm. Verse 58, the first part says, be steadfast and immovable. What do you mean by be steadfast? The original language means to sit down. Don't charge here and there and move about. Sit down. And be still. Don't be shaken up. Don't follow the trend. Be firm. Sit down. That's the word. Steadfast. What does it mean to be immovable? It means not to be pushed away from your locality, from your place. You sit, but not be moved away either. Immovable. The original uh, word is give rise to the word that we use today, cinema. Cinema ways, motion pictures are being shown. That word can be traced back to immovable. And you know in cinema we have motion pictures. Everything is in motions and sounds and, and sights and colors and everything. That's not what he's talking about. He says be immovable. He's more talking about a photo. When you display a photo, when we see the photo montage, each photo is still. It's not moving. You just see a picture. One by one, one by one, but they are not moving at all. While in the motion picture in the cinema, you see actions, you see different dialogues and conversations happening. Be immovable means do not move from your place. What is Paul trying to convey to the church in Corinth about being steadfast and immovable? He is really focusing on the doctrine of resurrection. Do not be shaken by arguments and by different doctrines and by people who challenge that. Stand firm in Jesus' resurrection. And stand firm that because you believe in Jesus, you will rise again with Him, even we died. And that doctrine is the foundation of the whole ending of the chapter with the last verse to move people into serving God, following Jesus, and do His will. You see, when you stand your ground and be immovable in the doctrine of the resurrection, it will move you in the right direction that glorifies the risen Lord. And if our doctrine of resurrection is shaken, then everything else is shaken up. Everything else is shaken up. And you remember, in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children. What are the behaviors of the children? Tossed to and fro 
by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful scheme. That's the nature of a child. It's, they are easily deceived. They are easily shaken up. To give them something, to give them some candies, and they will just respond to you very easily for many of them. So he said, be careful. Be careful. Do not just follow any wind of doctrines that might affect your firm conviction to the doctrine of resurrection. You know, sometimes I wonder whether as, a, as people living in this world today, as we, as we are exposed to every kind of behaviors, uh, whether sometimes we're really suffering from ADHD. You know, ADHD, right? Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. You know, even though you are not diagnosed by a, by a professional, but many of us manifest that, right? Uh, we, we, are, we are swayed by what is flooding the whole news media, by the social media. We are easily swayed by what is trendy, uh, what is popular. Um, you know, there are all kinds of rumors and, 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 and cons- conspiracy theories about this coronavirus. And then we just, we just, you know, sway and, and join in and try to put our words into it and try to participate uh, in many of these discussions and wondering how this thing will go about. And this panic buying is coming even to Costco and coming to our community where people are fearful that there's not enough things and not enough toilet papers and not enough Kleenex and, 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 and sanitizers and everything and things of that nature that's actually happening uh, in the U.S. right now. See how easily we are being swayed by things because we're exposed to them every day over and over and over again. For a while, for a week or two, the first thing in the morning when I wake up is to look at my cell phone and go to the coronavirus update. Updates every day. And then throughout the day, you follow up every hour what's happening. Where is it spreading to? How many people get infected? You know, how many uh, medical personnel get infected? And, 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 and all, all the quarantines and, and stuff like that. Well, as pastors, we need to be responsible. Uh, in the pastoral stuff, we talk about what if, what if a coronavirus comes to our church, right? Somebody get affected. Okay, now how do we quarantine and how do we still carry on worship while we might have to close down the church or lock down the church for a few weeks, maybe? And how do we preach to our congregation? How do we minister to them in the midst of all that, right? So we do have to uh, uh, be on top of things and be, be responsive to the situations. But more often than less, I think we are just swayed. We are just swayed because we allowed this wind to bring us to and fro and to sway us and to create a lot of panic, uh, create anxiety and even fears, uh, even fears within us uh, to the point where we are, we are immobilized. Okay? Uh, the, the Corinthians must be firm in their belief. Only then, only then, they will be involved in the work of the Lord and be hopeful for the rewards when Christ comes back again. So stand firm, be steady, be immovable. You know, for our church, it's the same thing. Okay, for FCBC Walnut, we must be consistent over a long period of time. Okay, I think that's how we built the church of Jesus Christ. Be consistent. 
be focused, be biblical over a long period of time. Be faithfully teaching God's word over a long period of time. Be allowing our people, challenging our people to go out of the four walls over a long period of time. Then we can build a vibrant church of disciple makers one by one and one by one and one by one over a long period of time. You know, we have uh, established uh, three goals for our church in 2018's Old Church uh, Retreat. We said by 2025, it's five years from now, when we will celebrate our 40th anniversary, uh, we hope to achieve three goals. One, to build a strong base. A strong base here. A strong base of disciple makers uh, growing and deepening here in 1555 Fairway Drive. We believe in this locality. We believe in this location. So we want to grow strong, strong base here. But secondly, we also want to establish five mission partners. You know, we have been doing short-term missions and we have been supporting different missionaries, about 18 to 20 of them, uh, with different organizations in different localities. But we don't often follow up with short-term missions or we don't even really know what they are doing because of different reasons. Uh, and, and it is not always aligned. And we, we felt like that, that is a good thing, but we want to grow beyond that and say, instead of touch and go, short-term missions, uh, instead of touch and go, finance support, we want to grow deep with five mission partners, five strategic mission partners in different countries, in different locations. And we will pool our resources together. Our financial resources, our human resources, our giftedness, our, our, our trainings, our educations, and just focus in these five mission strategic locations over and over and over and over and over again and grow deep in relationship and grow deep in impact and grow deep with the gospel in that place. And that's our goal. And thank God that we have uh, uh, decided on uh, Mongolia is the first one. Uh, so it is in the process of working together with the Mongolian Bible College. And through their work, we want to reach out and to bless the country. And others we are still seeking and others we are still confirming. That's the second goal that we want to achieve by 2025, only by God's grace. And thirdly, we said by 2025, by God's grace, we hope to establish a church plan. You know, in 2018, uh, Cross Life uh, in Acadia has become independent incorporated. So we are looking at the next one. But because we are doing building program right now, we don't want to have two major works, a building program and a church plant happening concurrently uh, that may diffuse the efforts of one another. So we want to finish our church plant, uh, finish our church building, okay, and let it run for a while. And then we begin to focus on where is the next church plan for our church. So these are the three goals by 2025 that we hope to uh, work together. But how could it happen? In what manner it will happen? Consistency over a long period of time. Enduring consistency. It will not happen overnight. Uh, it will not happen just a month or a year. It will happen over 
a long period of time. See, it takes longer. It takes much longer for people to get it nowadays. Right? Have you noticed that? That when you talk to your husband or talk to your wife, that they are not very responding, especially the men. My, my wife did that to me. You know, I, 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 I didn't really hear her because I was looking at my phone. I was checking on my stuff. I was looking at my computer and try to be multitasking. And when she said something, I don't really hear it. She said it again, I didn't really hear it. She said it again, I try to kind of, you know, just respond not in a very committed way. And then when she begins to call my name like, Albert Ting, then I begin to hear. <laughs> See, when you spouses begin to call your whole legal name, you know, the whole name, you better wake up. You better wake up. They are serious now. So you get serious. See, I can extract it too. Okay? It takes a lot more, a lot longer for people to get it nowadays. Right? Uh, information overload. Right? Whatever we preach, whatever we, we cast uh, with the people, is only one of the source of information. And oftentimes, they are flooded by other information. It takes longer for people to hear information, to digest sermons, uh, to discern God's will in their lives. And then secondly, we are distracted all the time. Right? I did that too, and you, you are happening too. Distractions. And, and that's the biggest challenge for us preachers here. We try to move about, we show you nice PowerPoints, we tell you some stories, we try to connect with you to bring you back into God's Word. But, you know, we, we are all distracted. We are all distracted. And, 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 and for people who are further away from the preacher, you tend to be more distracted, you see. And, and they are, they are different vessels and different equipments and different channels for us to focus on many different things. And, and that's a challenge. And that's a challenge. And thirdly, we are multitasking all the time, right? You can listen to the sermon while checking on your message, while looking at the updates on coronavirus and talking to your friends. You know, we call it multitasking. But multitasking is really distracting us uh, into a point of, of unable to focus on what is priority. It takes much longer nowadays for people to get it. If you want to build a vibrant church of disciple makers, it has to be enduring consistency over a long period of time. But God is going to work through His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us together to help us to focus together to do His will. Be firm. And secondly, He says, be involved, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, the word abounding just means to overdo, to do beyond, to go over in the work of the Lord. That's amazing. If you can summarize that meaning of that sentence in one word, it is just more. Paul is saying, more. What, why more? Why, why no holding back? Why throw yourself into the work of the master? What is that motivation and passion? The doctrine of resurrection. That he believes, that he believes Jesus has risen, that he believes that he will see the Lord and he will rise again. And he believes that Jesus will come again. And that belief will dictate, will guide you 
in your behavior, in the way you respond to the doctrine. That's the power of the doctrine. The doctrine of resurrection. You know, the Corinthians, they were also abounding in the work. They did a lot of work, but not of the Lord. They did a lot of work that really pains the heart of Paul, that hurts the reputation of the church, that shamed the name of the Lord. They did a lot of things, but not in the Lord. Corinthians are highly gifted. They fought the wrong battles. Uh, they, they, they are competitive and see who is more spiritual. Uh, you know, who is following Paul and who is following Peter and who is following Jesus. They engage into lawsuit against each other. They live in a promiscuous lifestyle that shame the name of the Lord. And some of them still engage in idol worship. They refuse to give up their former faith. They want Jesus and they want idols as well. And some of them abuse their freedom in Christ. Okay, Using the name of the Lord and using the liberty in Christ to do whatever that suits their fleshly desire. Uh, they misused spiritual gift. Spiritual gift is a show off. I can speak in tongue. I can, I can do prophecy. Could you do that? It's a way to compete. And some of them were drunk. They were drunk at the Holy Communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just read that. Paul rebuked them. Some of you were drunk. And they caused disorder in worship. And especially in, in chapter 12 to chapter 14, when they abuse the spiritual gift and cause chaos and confusion in the worship when they all speak in tongue and no one translates. And Paul has to put them back to order and say, well, if you speak in tongue, if there's no one translating for you right there, sit down. And for every worship, only two or three is allowed to speak if you do have that gift. But otherwise, sit down. And that's his guideline to the church. Well, they were actively doing many, many things. But not in the Lord. Not according to the Lord's desire. So their spiritual power is wasted by sinful lifestyle and infighting. Now, you may be wondering, you know, Pastor Albert, are you saying that, you know, just like Paul, abounding in the work of the Lord, so we do more? Are you asking us to do more, to sign up for VBS and other responsibilities? Yes, part of that. But I want to just challenge you and just stretch your minds and stretch your imagination to say that serving God is not limiting in the church. Serving God involves marketplace ministry. That when you go to work, that you spend 8 to 10 hours per day, 40 to 60 hours per week, that can be your mission field that you become an everyday missionary in the marketplace by being kind to your colleagues, by being obedient to your, to your supervisor, your master, by doing a good job when you sign on that dotted line into a contract that you are paid in a certain amount and that payment uh, causes you to allocate certain amount of time and competency and training to do the job well. That is work of the Lord. And for some of you who are in the professional fields, God is calling you to excel in the areas and to do good research, and maybe even invention and things like that. 
that can really contribute to mankind for the glory of God. That is a service in the Lord. And maybe you're a student. That your responsibility is to study well, equip yourself well, and be available to be a gospel carrier, to be a gospel communicator, and allow people to see how you follow Jesus in your school. And for some of you, in your retirement. Yes, and even in your retirement, you can serve do the work of the Lord by being faithful at the last legs of your life journey. Be faithful. Leave a legacy. Bless the younger generation. Coach them, mentor them. Grow together until we see the Lord again. That can be your work of the Lord. The work of the Lord goes beyond the four walls of the church. It goes into our lives because our lives is to live for Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 10 says, The end of all things is at hand. Christ is coming back. The resurrection of the Lord. Then what do you do? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Use what you have in light of Christ's second coming. With the understanding of the doctrine of resurrection, he says, serve one another and bless others with the varied grace of God that he has given you. Be involved, be involved, abounding. And thirdly, he says, be hopeful, be hopeful. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. In the message, it is being transliterated, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. It is not wasted. We know it's not wasted and therefore we are moving forward. Paul says, your labor is not in vain. He is expecting those who work in the Lord, who do work in the Lord, to work hard. The word labor means to sweat and to strain with great effort to the point of exhaustion. So it's, it calls for a lot of hard working when you labor in the Lord, when you work in the Lord. And it goes against some common thinking about, I'm just volunteering. I'm volunteering my, my, my work in the church. And, and you know, it's just, just be easy. I'm just a volunteer. Now, Paul is calling, you serve. You serve the work of the Lord. You labor in the Lord. Be excellent. Do your best. Sweat out. Work hard. Labor. That's the kind of expectation that he has for the church in Corinth. He says, you abound in the work of the Lord because it is not in vain. It is not empty. You know, death, death has been used to bring the ultimate submission. To force human to succumb to its power of all the threats that you can give to a person, okay, death is the ultimate threat. And why was Paul reminding the church in Corinth to know that you're, uh, to labor in the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain? He's calling the church to remember the doctrine of the resurrection. He's reminding them death has been defeated, that the ultimate threat 
the greatest threat to a man, mankind, uh, is death, and that has been destroyed. That has been conquered by Jesus Christ. And there's really nothing else that can really suppress you and threaten you about following Jesus, about being His disciples, about doing His will. Uh, there's nothing to hold you back. And this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because we believe in the doctrine of resurrection. In the Second Corinthians 4, verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That the coming of Christ, that the hope in Jesus Christ is, is preparing us for an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. We are freed. Free from the death, uh, threats of death for us to journey together. And, and with that, let me just conclude my sermon uh, with this statement that an enduring consistency undergirded by the doctrine of the resurrection allows us to build a vibrant church of disciple-makers. Let me make a, three applications. Enduring consistency and vibrant church. As I said, it takes consistency over a long period of time for us to build a vibrant church of disciple makers. It takes a long process. So let us labor together for the Lord. And secondly, uh, enduring consistency and the new building. You know, we look at the building and how it took shape. Uh, we look at the building in the photo montage that, you know, it is about to be completed. By God's grace, uh, maybe three months to four months, uh, we will be able to move into that building. But again, with the commitment to the enduring consistency, that the initial excitement, that the LED screen may excite you for a while, that the nice space, new paint, new facility, new furnitures may excite you for a while, but we don't go in there to focus on those things. Those are tools. Those are tools we use for the gospel. Those are tools we use for the glory of God. Those are tools we use to serve each other. Those are the tools that we bring people to worship God. Uh, those are the tools that we can use to do God's work. And you have to commit yourself to serve consistently over a long period of time. Two congregations will be moved into the new Mac, English congregation and the Mandarin congregation. So you are part of that. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to go in there with a mission to build a vibrant church of disciple makers? Are you ready to go in there for the gospel? Are you ready to go in there for the Great Commission? And with that intention and a commitment to build enduring consistency over a long period of time, that place can truly be used by God to bless many, many people. And then finally, enduring consistency and leadership grooming. You know, we, we uh, uh, want to look at our church and say, the future, our church lies with the younger generation. And today you have witnessed the two deacons. They are the younger deacons that we brought into, uh, and Derek as well. Uh, they are the younger ones that we have brought into. And we want to continue and intentionally move towards leadership grooming for the younger generation and for the future of our church. And I also want to say that I'm, uh, I'll be working more closely with Pastor Hanley. 
to coach him and expose him in servant leadership, uh, in vision casting, uh, in serving one church with three congregations. And while leading, he's still leading the English congregation, he will also be preaching in the Cantonese and Mandarin services in the future. So maybe once or twice a year, he will preach in the Mandarin. Once or twice a year, he will preach in the Cantonese to expose himself to the Chinese congregation. And it is our desire to see him manifest enduring consistency in his ministry and his life. Then we can know that it is God's timing for him to take up more responsibilities and more challenges uh, in his ministry. So pray for him as we journey together, as we prepare for the future, as we prepare leadership for the future. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful today as we celebrate our 35th anniversary. And we know that we are not alone here because we are standing on the shoulders of many past saints and pastors and deacons and, and officers and those who are faithfully serving and build a strong foundation for us to, uh, to carry on the work. Father, today we want to dedicate ourselves to you and, and commit ourselves to our vision to build a vibrant church of disciple makers who love passionately and live authentically to give generously and to go courageously. And Father, you remind us today that it is an enduring consistency. Consistency over a long period of time will, will allow us to take traction, will allow us to build that vibrancy, will allow us to uh, be strong and be, grow deep in Christ. So I pray that our whole congregation, three congregations and every member of our church uh, will really uh, uh, commit ourselves to come together for enduring consistency and grow in you. We are so thankful for today. We are so thankful for the celebration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.